0: For those of you from and Bay, from this church, who are expecting a little joke or a story, which will come in due course. But I'm not going to tell you when it's coming, so you need to listen even in the boring bit so that when it happens, you won't miss it, you see. Now, I want you to turn with your Bibles. If you've got a Bible, let switch it on and turn to Ruth in chapter 1, the beginning of uh, the story of Ruth. Ruth is the eighth book in the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Davidicus, Numbers, jo- Joshua, Judges, Ruth, book number eight. Hope you can find it. You don't want to get up to heaven You see the sweet lady come over and smile at you and say, did you like my story? He said, who are you? I said, I'm Ruth. Ruth. Well, I would have done, but I couldn't find it. <laughs> That'd be a bit embarrassed. So Ruth in, in chapter one. And I'm not going to read the whole of the chapter, and I might stop as we go through and uh, see where we get. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And uh, I just wanted to say that, you know, the judges ruled, that's the previous book. And the last verse in the previous book says this. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit. So that's a sort of situation into which this story comes. There was a family in the land, back to Ruth chapter 1, verse 1, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to stay in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Marlon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. I could say quite a bit about leaving God's country, but I'm not because that's my, not my subject for today. But you might want to think about that later on. They went to the country of Moab and remained there, but Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. Now, that's a whole subject in itself that were taken. Wives from another country. For them, that was not the right thing, but we we'll move on. The name of one was Orpah, and the other, name of the other, Ruth. They lived there about ten years. And both Marlon and Chilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters and law to return to the country, from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab as that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go return each of her to her mother's house. May the Lord deal, with, deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest each of you, in your house of your husband, then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept, and they said, "No, we will return with you to your people." but Naomi said, "Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that have that, that may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I'm too old to have a husband, and if I should say, I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and bear sons." And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. See, Naomi means pleasant and Mara means bitter. For the Lord has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away for, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter, with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. I'm leave the reading just so I'm going to read a little bit more towards the end of Ruth a bit later on, but that's all for the moment. There were people coming home. Naomi was returning home to God's place. Ruth was going there for the first time. Now, I wasn't here last week. I have no idea what you get up to when I'm not here. Who knows? I don't always get reports. But I was here two weeks ago, and when it was two weeks ago, there were some people, obviously, who, who were touched and who were returning to God. But maybe there's someone here that needs to turn to God for the first time. You've never done it. Or maybe there's somebody else that didn't do it two weeks ago, and you do need to turn, return to God. They came to Bethlehem. Bethlehem is the place where Jesus was born. And they came at the time of barley harvest, which is the time when Jesus died. That's right, died. Some of you are a bit weak on that one. You need to do some more homework. <laughs> Exodus chapter 9 will help you work that one out. Okay, Exodus chapter 9. I'll read that when you get home. I'm not going to tell you the verse. Don't read it now. Uh, I'm not going to give you the verse number, but you can find it for yourself. So uh, I think on the front of the uh, newsletter, I've got to speak about commitment. So, I better do that, don't I don't know. Well, what does it mean, commitment? I saw, uh, I was doing a holiday club in another part of the town, a ba- Holly Bible club, and, and they were having some sort of race with teams. And uh, one boy was so excited about his team when he jumped, his feet were this far off the ground, you know. So he was committed. But if I asked him about it, now he can remember a thing. It was several weeks ago, and nor should he remember. It's not important. <coughs> but we can, uh, we, we can understand commitment. And if we go back to the day when the, uh, the animals in the farmyard heard that the children and the orphanage had no food for breakfast, and various suggestions were made, not, of all, not all of which worked, Could work. The the goat said he liked to give milk, but he was but she was dry at the moment. Not he. She was dry at the moment, and the cow said all her milk was needed for her for little ones. And then the chicken had an idea. The chicken said, "We can give them egg and bacon." (laughs) The pig said, "For you, that's just making a gift. But for me, that's total commitment." Do you get the word? You know, what's it mean? Total commitment. It means it doesn't matter what it costs. There is a need and I need to help with that need. Okay, that's total commitment. It doesn't matter what the situation is. It's something sticking to. I've got six points. I've done two. So I'll have to slow down a bit, won't I? I don't know. (laughs) I don't want to be on time for a change, Steve, do I? <laughs> to who or what should we be committed? Well, there's commitment in marriage. You know, you commit yourself to your other half in marriage for the whole of your life. Sometimes you make arrangements for afterwards. You might leave some money or most of your money to your wife or husband in the will. If you're going to leave it all to bat dogs home, I suggest you don't let the, the, you other half see the world before you die, otherwise you could... <laughs> well, as the Tisrock said to his son in the... Uh, uh, what was it? Sorry, what was it? The horse and his boy. He said, if you are not my son, I would say that your life will be short and your death will be slow. <laughs> you have a commitment to children... Uh, and that's a commitment f- for life, really, in a way. It just makes life seem longer, that's all. It's a commitment. <laughs> it's, it's a commitment for life. It just makes life seem, that's fine, don't worry about it. You, know. you have a commitment to a local church, maybe. I'm committed to this church here. But that does not mean, that was a joke about making life seem longer. Do not worry, kids, do not worry. That was a joke, or in case I hadn't got that one. Uh, commit, I'm committed to this local church. Now, that may well be for the rest of my life. It might not be. Because God might move me on so else. He's moved me. I don't have too much trouble with the commitment. I've moved house twice in the last se- 70 years. Once into an old people's home and once out again. Uh, so I don't have too much of a problem of not swapping around. I think I've had about seven cars in the last uh, 50 years, so you know they do tend to last reasonably me a long time if you look after them. You might be committed to Christian work, and that's good. I'm committed, committed to helping people from and kids particularly from non-Christian families to become Christians and go on with Jesus. All right. You notice that last bit, from non-Christian families. Not that kids from Christian families don't need help as well. But my aim has been primarily kids from non-Christian families. you you want to come along on Thursday, you know, you, you meet a few. They're lovely. They're lovely. Well, most of them are anyway. And uh, it's, it's the kind of work to which I'm committed. But probably I won't be doing it all my life. I'm getting involved for doing it now. You have to have kids around to help me pick up the things I can't reach because they're on the floor. But the, 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 the teenagers are, are excellent at that, and the, young, and the, kids, the younger kids are, are getting the hang of that now. So you might be involved with a sort of Christian work, but that doesn't mean to say that you're going to be committed to it for the whole of your life. But I will not suggest that commitment should be to the Lord Jesus for the whole of life, a commitment to him, fully committed to him. And in fact, that lit lasts beyond death. Uh, The verses I very much had in mind, which I've just lost because I've swapped pages, uh, was Ruth's words in verse 16 and 17, Your people will be my people. Sorry, before that, where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there, I will be buried. So this commitment actually went beyond death. And the commitment to Jesus Christ goes beyond death. One of the few things that do. Have you ever realized that uh, the church is the one group of people on earth, one group of people that don't never lose a member by death? Have you realized that? You know, because they're still in the church, they're just in the other half. They've got there, we're still on the way. But the commitment to Jesus Christ lives and carries on beyond death and so did Ruth's commitment she says where you die I will die and there I will be buried now you say of course you're going to be buried where you die you're not going to go across to another country not so fast remember Joseph who said I'm dying in Egypt put me in a coffin Then, when you leave this country to go back to Israel to Palestine take me there and bury me there. He died in one country and was buried in another. His father, Jacob, he couldn't wait that long. He said, when I die, you're not to bury me here. You're to take me back to the promised land. You're to bury me there. But uh, Ruth said, where you die, I'll die. That's the whole of my life. And there I will be buried. It lasts beyond death. Then there's a reason. Why should we be committed to Jesus Christ, and just a little bit of water I think, I'll try and keep it you know in the glass this time, for those of you who didn't see I did manage to put the glass on my seat and then I uh, thought I'd sit down My Barbara was praying and forgot the glass was there. <laughs> So if you notice the damp patch, it's just water <laughs> from the glass. So right? it's nothing else. Even though I'm old enough. <laughs> Stephen Fry, with, with QI, was asking a question. How many, how many commandments did God give, you know? And, of course, everyone says 10, and he said, no, it's not 10. It's far more than that, and that's just about 630. So he, he caught them all out, as he normally does. <coughs> but, of course, he had trouble when he got to Exodus chapter 20, because you couldn't make it 10 then. And the, one of the problems is, just at the beginning of Exodus 20, uh, uh, which is the chapter that gives the Ten Commandments in the first bit, commandment number 1 is in verse number 2. Because God says beforehand, before he gives any commandments, he says this, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of slavery. He says, now I'm going to tell you what I want you to do. He gives the reason why they should listen before he tells them what they should do. And if you're going to follow somebody, there needs to be a good reason for doing it. And uh, you see, it's what Jesus has done already. It doesn't start with us. It doesn't start with me. It starts with what Jesus did 2,000 years ago when he died for people like you and me. There used to be a little song. One, of you, one two of you might be old enough to remember it. Three crosses standing side by side Of broken law the sign, two for their own transgressions died, one bled and died for mine. Because of what Jesus has done, he didn't have to come to earth to die for you. He chose to do that. He chose to do that. And uh, that is the reason why. What does it involve, commitment? What does it involve? we finished the first four points for those that are counting. We're on the last two now. This is a bit longer, this one. It caught you out there, didn't it? Uh, in, in verse 16, where, I, where you go, says Ruth, I will go. Now, when the Bible talks about a journey, it doesn't just mean getting from here to my house or getting from here to, to Farisham or wherever you come from. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean just that. It's also the walking the life, living the life. And uh, so it's living a life because you're committed to Jesus. It's living a life. And there, then it's, where you lodge, I will lodge. And it's the, it may well affect the place where you live. It may well affect the place where you live. My wife told me a story some years ago, I think I've got it right, and there were a couple that were working in, a, in an area, and they didn't really see... Any blessing from God. They were Christians, they were trying to get reach people for Jesus, and it wasn't happening. And they realized they had to make a great commitment to that area. So they drew out some savings and bought themselves a burial plot in that town in the cemetery and said, We're here for the duration. And you know, after that, people came to the Lord. Isn't that lovely? It's simply that they were stating their commitment. Another case, I have a friend, a dear friend I've known for very many years, and uh, he was going to get married and he said to the Lord, I don't mind where we live, Lord, as long as it's not Bexley Heath. (laughs) He's still living in Bexley Heath. You know, it, it affects where we live because that's where God kept him and that's where God has used him so very much in, in different ways. Then she goes on to say, in verse, towards the end of verse 16, your people shall be my people. And the commitment to Jesus Christ will affect who our best friends are. Now, you need to be friends with people that aren't Christians so you can bring them to Jesus but your closest ones need to be those that are his people so they can be fed and strengthened and encouraged. And your God, my God, that's to do with worship and obedience. Worship and obedience. Commitment will bring us to worship God, and to obey him then into verse 17 where you die I will die it's a commitment for life well it's not commitment till your team has won the race and the hodley club It's a commitment for life and there will I be buried it's beyond death now the question is is it worthwhile Is it worthwhile making a commitment that will last that long to Jesus Christ? Don't worry, I've not arranged an outing for you. It's okay. (laughs) I have not booked up the whole of the uh, Walpole Bay Hotel for a cream tea for you. That's tough. If you're thinking that, you're mistaken. If you want that, you have to come to Monday Club and have a birthday. Then you you get taken there for tea. Some of you are too old, some of you are too young. No, you're all too old. I mean, you know, <laughs> no, or, or, or the right age. There were rewards. You know, there's a lovely bit it, it, towards the end. I said I'd read a little bit more in Ruth. And I just want to read the, the, the last little bit, really. See, but, but we, oh, we need some sound effects for me. Can you do, can you do lovey-dovey sound effects? Ah, right, that's good. That's a good practice, okay. Well, it wasn't long, probably that summer, that Ruth met, a lovely man called Boaz. Oh, and they fell in love, and they got married. Isn't that lovely? Do you know what? Do you not know him? He said, if you stay here, you'll have a husband. I'm too old to have sons. Don't come with me. So she went with her. What did she get? Husband. Isn't that lovely? And this, was, this was a good man. He was called Boaz. Though somebody said, what was Boaz like before he was married? He was ruthless. Think about that one. (laughs) 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 He was a good businessman. But as well as that, not only did she get married, the, uh, the Lord enabled her to conceive, chapter 4 and verse 13, uh, and she gave birth to a son ah birth to a son that lovely the woman said to naomi his grandma woman said to naomi praise be to the lord who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer may he become may this son become famous throughout israel he will renew your life and sustain you in your old age and your daughter in law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap, and cared for him. So grandma has got the baby in her lap. Now, that had a special significance in in their day. That meant that the baby was count, let's get the right word, counted not only the child of the mother, but the child of the grandmother as well. In fact, it goes on to say, the women living there said, Naomi has a son. Isn't that beautiful? So not only did Ruth get the blessing of meeting Boaz and uh, uh, having a son, but they said, Naomi's got a son as well. You see, she never had any grandchildren through her own sons, but through the son of a daughter-in-law, she had a grandchild. So in life, if we're committed, there are benefits and blessings for this life. There are. Now, not without problems, don't get me wrong, not without problems, but there are blessings, it's worth it. Is it worth it? Yes, it is. Sometimes there's problems, sometimes you just sit on a glass of water, and sometimes it's worse than that, you know, it gets a lot worse than that. But, (laughs) But there are problems, but it is worth it. It is worth it. But these blessings went beyond their lives. Because the end of this book gives us a bit of the history, or a bit of genealogy. They named him Obed, the son. He was the father of Jesse, who was the father of King David. Isn't that lovely? That uh, this little baby that was born was the grandfather of probably the greatest king that Israel has ever known. Isn't that beautiful? So the blessings, although she might not have known them then, I suspect she knows them now, the blessings went beyond life. And if, if you work uh, and, and serve God and you're going to find that the blessings go beyond this life. I must have shared the gospel with thousands of children. And perhaps, I don't know, perhaps 50 or 60, I know where they are now. But I believe that when I get to heaven, I'm going to get some more surprises. I'm going to see some more. Uh, Someone said to me a few years ago, do you remember Ian Hedges? I remember Ian Hedges. He came from a non-Christian family. He was one of our young people. He got baptized when I was at Welling. And he said, and he's now working in a, in a church in the Midway Towns. What an encouragement. I just thought he'd gone off the scene. But no, there's one I, know, one I know about. The blessings come after life as well. And I believe that when I get to heaven, I'm going to meet some more. You see, the blessing didn't just stop at King David. It went on and on. I think, I think another 14 generations, if I can remember. I'm not going to recite them to you, because I can't remember them. But there's another 14 generations, and then it gets down to Jesus. And through Ruth, who came from another country, who returned to God, came the blessing that you and I all enjoy through Jesus. I can recommend commitment to Jesus Christ to you wholly. I haven't done it as well as I should have done. It's not complete. I have not said they can have bacon from me for breakfast. But I've done something. I I did wonder whether anybody ever is fully committed to Jesus, apart from Jesus, of course. He was fully committed to what what his father wanted. uh, But we can do something towards it. Be fully committed to Jesus. To other people too. To other things, other situations, other places, other groups. But primarily be fully committed to Jesus Christ. Thank you, Steve.